Hey, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Press On. I'm Aaron Rios, and I'm so glad that you're with me today. Hey, have you had a chance to listen to my new worship EP? It's called Hiding Place, and you can find it on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, and everywhere else music is sold. Why don't you go check it out? Leave a review. Share it with your friends. I believe that the songs on this EP are songs for such a time as the season we are living in. I pray it blesses you. Be sure to visit Aaron on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share your favorite episodes, which are now available on all podcast platforms, including the Charisma Podcast Network. And consider becoming a financial partner by supporting this ministry. Visit AaronRios.com for more details. The last couple of years have revealed to anything that the church of Jesus is deeply divided. And the church's greatest threat is not going to be some outward force, some outward enemy waging war against the church. The Bible has granted us and promised us victory. The gates of hell shall not prevail over the church. The greatest threat to the church today is an internal threat. It is the body waging war against itself. Welcome to Press On with your host, Aaron Rios. We pray you are enriched, encouraged, and inspired to run the race and to press on towards the cause of Christ. Hey, I want to welcome you back to Press On. I'm so grateful that you're with me today. I want to talk to you today about dealing with division. Can you ever remember a time that was more divisive than the day we're living in? A time when people were so sensitive, so easily offended when their epidermis was as thin as it is today. I mean, think of the matters that are dividing people, dividing households, dividing churches even. The vaccination status, your preferences for wearing masks, BLM, CRT, cancer culture, the new poison of a generation, right? And it's not that these Matters are not important. Matters on racism, social justice, health, wealth. These intrinsically are important topics, but they're being presented from platforms that have, I believe, uh, just devious agendas, sinister agendas. I, I believe they're Trojan horses for something else. It's part of the reason why we are not able to find points of agreement because there's no middle ground. The two parties are not honoring each other, loving each other, respecting each other. Uh, In other words, they're not really trying to come together. The attitude is you either see it my way or you see it your way. But if one of us do not shift positions, then we become enemies. Well, the truth is, There are matters that there are no gray. When it comes to certain religions and faiths, for instance, have you seen those coexist stickers? I have an issue with those stickers because they're intrinsically wrong. Many of the religions represented on those stickers are antithetical to one another. There is no mutual meeting ground. And in order for me to be able to coexist with certain religions, it's going to require me abandoning the tenets of my faith. For instance, the word of God teaches me that Jesus Christ is the only way 
to heaven. He is the truth and the life. Uh, and so I would have to abandon my Jesus in order to meet somebody else on their mutual ground where they do not receive my Jesus. And that's not something I can do or would ever be willing to do. So the truth is we're going to experience division. There's going to be division. But the level of division that we're facing right now, I believe, is a sign for the lack of love in culture. The Bible says that love covers over a multitude of offenses. Well, we've got people that are so easily offended. Could it be our culture has grown cold and there's genuinely a lack of love? So I want to talk about dealing with division. Why is there so much division in the world? Why? Why is there so much division in the church? Well, let's look at John 7, 43. It's a simple scripture, but I think it neatly ties all of this together. It simply says, so there was a division in the crowd because of Jesus. Who is this crowd? Well, the crowd is the religious community. The crowd consists of those who are believers and unbelievers. They are those that are uh, witnessing the work and the ministry of Jesus. They're rubbing shoulders. They have an opportunity to make a decision and they're not sure what they want to do with Jesus. They, I like the miracles. I like the feeding. I like the, the social justice. I like that stuff. I'm just not sure I can mesh with the other aspects of Jesus that can be a little bit of abrasive. He's always talking about sin and he's always pointing out my this or pointing out my that. I feel judged. You know, this seems to be happening in the lives of people even today. Now consider this. The decision to follow Jesus in the first century church is a lot different than the decision of following Jesus today. Today, if you want to follow Jesus, you go to church, you fill out a card, you make a decision to maybe join a Bible study and uh, connect with people once or twice a, a month or maybe more, maybe less. And it's not really an inconvenience to your life. You don't have to quit your job. We don't leave our families. Um, many of us don't change our friend circles. Uh, we don't really change much of our life. Jesus just becomes an addition to our life. I'm not saying that's the way it should be, but that seems to be, as I've observed, how it is. But the early church, that's not what it was. To follow Jesus was to abandon the entirety of who they were. They were no longer, they were, they were risking potentially being excommunicated from synagogue. Many people had to leave their families. They lost relationships. They lost businesses. Many lost their life in the journey to follow Jesus. In fact, it's still that way today in the Middle East. There are many people that if they make a decision to commit their lives to Jesus, they're losing everything. You know, the call to follow Jesus is still to lose it all. Lose it all for him. We're so blessed in our country and in many countries around the world where the price at this point is not quite as high because of the mercy of God. I can freely worship in places because of the mercy of God. I can freely testify on street corners. I can freely pray for people out in the open without fear of persecution. Yet somehow, despite all of our liberties, despite all of the freedom, yet despite all the stuff that we have, there's still the greatest division within the church. The last couple of years have revealed anything is that the church of Jesus is deeply divided. 
And the church's greatest threat is not going to be some outward force, some outward enemy waging war against the church. No, the, Bible's pran- the, the, the Bible has granted us and promised us victory. The gates of hell shall not prevail over the church. The greatest threat to the church today is an internal threat. It is the body waging war against itself. And I have to ask, why? Why? Why the division within the body? I believe the answer to that is Jesus. We're like the crowd. We have an idea of what life should look like. We have an idea of how the kingdom of God should be demonstrated or manifested and how it should look. That's why you hear phrases like, well, if you really loved your neighbor or if you really were a Christian or if you really loved Jesus. And then we add a condition based on how we think a Christian should act or live You go back 20 years ago when it's how they dressed and how they spoke. We have all of these conditions on what we believe a Christian should look like. And many of those definitions are a far cry from what the Bible shows us. So when I reflect on this passage, the first thing I am recognizing is that Jesus brings division. That's right. Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? I came to bring a sword. Um, Brothers against uh, brothers and and, uh, parents against children. There's going to be division. Why? Because making a decision to follow Jesus is making a decision to abandon certain aspects of who I was, the things that I was doing that prevented me from following Jesus. Jesus is going to bring a division in culture. I don't know why the church of Jesus is working so hard to try to get along with culture. The, the, The church of Jesus should be antithetical to a godless culture, to a culture that is being ruled and led by an antichrist spirit. My goal is not to fit nice and neatly in the culture. My, my goal is to be revolutionary to culture. Jesus brings division in your personal life. Much like the early church that I had to abandon it all, there ought to be a dividing line in my life when I make a decision to follow Jesus that I say no turning back, no turning back. The things that he saved me from, the habits, the addictions, the brokenness, the forms of thinking, the language, the, the behaviors. There are areas in my life that I draw a line and now I am divided from who I was into who I will be. Is there a line in your life of your old life and your new life? Is there something distinct that says the old is gone and the new has come? Are you living in that? Has Jesus brought division in your personal life? Jesus will bring division in the church. You say, how how could Jesus bring division into his own body? In the same way that Jesus brought division to the religious community, we have many people within the church that are religious, but they're not actually in relationship with Jesus. Affiliation with a religious institution does not equal relationship with a living Savior. I know what it's like to be met in the parking lot by deacons and being told, perhaps by the color of my skin or the way that I'm dressed, that maybe I would do better in a different community. How can that happen? Well, just because I'm in church does not mean I belong to Jesus. But when Jesus is injected into a community and when sin is confronted, then people are going to be forced to make a decision even within churches. That's why we've seen so many church splits. That's why we've seen so many communities divided That's why we have seen wars waged over churches and denominations. Why? Because Jesus brings division. 
Remember, it was Jesus speaking to a religious community of people, presenting the miracles, presenting the signs, presenting the teachings. And then they were forced uh, to make a decision. What am I going to do with all of the things that Jesus is teaching me? What am I going to do with this Christ? Jesus brings division. A line is drawn. And it's exemplified through the church because churches with their varying missions and mission statements and visions as they should have oh, my church we have a vision and a mission it's one that correlates with a scriptural mission go into all the world and make disciples but sometimes the way we practice the mission is done through the lens of how we believe the kingdom of god is expressed so how does division function now division will function in a variety of ways but division typically functions when two sources of information come into collision with one another. Two sources of information will come into collision with one another. One source of information could be truth. And another source of information could be a perceived truth. I'm careful to call it all a straight out lie. I'm careful to label it a straight out lie because to whoever holds the perceived truth, it is truth. But you cannot always have two absolute truths. You cannot have two absolute truths. One is true. One would be false. So when two perceived truths come into collision with one another, Dr. Tony Evans, famous pastor and scholar and author, he made a suggestion. It was regarding cancer. And I really appreciated this illustration. He began to describe how cancer works and how cancer functions. And the way cancer comes into fruition, the way cancer manifests within the body is that it begins through disagreement. It begins through disagreement. Oh, please lean in just a bit and hear me. Cancer begins when cells disagree with the body's natural process. What's the natural process? Cells should be able to divide and then they work according to what they're supposed to do. But when cells choose to divide as they see fit, for whatever reason, scientists are still trying to comprehend this and they begin to do their own thing, then what you have is a rogue cell. You have a cell that's operating outside of the unity and the homeostasis of the body. And you see, cancer actually would not be a problem because your body has cancer cells constantly. If you have a healthy immune system, it's going to flush the body of the cancer. But if cancer remains long enough, it can upset the balance within the body and it can create an environment where then cancer cannot be expelled, but instead it begins to grow and it begins to duplicate and it begins to manipulate and it begins to hijack other cells and it gets cells to begin to walk in an alternate path of unity and begin to operate outside of their intended function. And I believe this is the same spiritual assault that we see happening because you cannot have two forms of absolute truth and only have one truth and when one truth stands it's going to require those who are not ascribing to that truth they're going to have to walk in humility and they're going to have to compromise their falsehood in order to embrace the truth but many people do not want to come to the terms that they are actually living through a deception. That's why we have to pray. Jesus prayed to sanctify them with your truth, oh God. Your word is truth. 
See, I believe you can mitigate most division. I believe the way we deal with division in the body, the way we we deal with division in our homes, the way we deal with division in our schools is we've got to begin to confront the divisions and the delusions with truth. Division needs a host. Division needs other people to cooperate with its uncooperative agenda. A healthy body expels division. A healthy body cuts it off and sends it out. How did Jesus deal with division? How did Jesus deal with division? I found it to be interesting that when you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus wasn't looking and glorifying the areas where we weren't in accord. He was focused on where are we unified? If we're ever going to be effective witnesses and win people, then we have to let the world know not simply all the things that God is against. We need to begin to communicate all of the things that God is actually for. Primarily, he's for you. He's for your family. He's for your endeavors. He's for salvation. You got a good God that loves you that's actually for you. We've forgotten that we have a God who is far more for us than against us. In fact, if God is for us, who then can be against us? God may be firm and unwavering in his position over your sin and over a life that is lavish and contrary to, to, to his heartbeat, but he's for you. The things that God stands against are the things that you should stand against, are the things that he's standing for you. But the problem is, is we will stand for the things that God is against. You find this in Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. It says, teacher, John said, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Jesus responded, don't stop him. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. What was the source of the problem here? Well, John was a part of an exclusive community following the Holy Rabbi. John was one of Jesus' disciples. He didn't want to see someone operating through the name of his rabbi that wasn't a part of the community. Uh, John would have said, hey, listen, what we have going on here, this is ours. You can't have this. You can't be a part of this. You'd have to be a part of this community. Jesus saying, listen, what I've come to do and what I've come to bring is for everyone. Listen, the door is open for everyone. There's no need to be divided. There's no need to be segregated. The way we deal with division is we begin to find the path of commonality. And I want you to know that the two roads that are divided, they merge at the cross. If you're experiencing division, if you're experiencing fractures and factions in your church and in your job because everybody has their own opinion and their own method of practicing what they think a godly life should look like, then what we need to do is we need to abandon all of the avenues that are bringing division and meet at the cross front and center and say, God, this is my brother. This is my sister. In you, we're supposed to be one. John chapter 17 
the priestly intercession that Jesus makes for his people, it converges here. Oh God, that they may be one even as you and I are one. It is impossible for a church to be filled with the Spirit of God and yet be divided. If you're experiencing a wave of disunity, if you're experiencing division, if the offenses around you and everybody getting offended has caused you to experience a heightened division, it's time that we meet back at the cross. We invite the Holy Spirit once again to fill us fresh and new, and we begin to pray for God to heal the wounds of division and bring unity back. The issue isn't black or white. The issue isn't vaxxed or unvaxxed. The issue is not masked or unmasked. The issue is the Spirit of God binding our hearts together to the cross, to Christ, that we would be one in acting in purpose and in mission. You got to ask yourself, what's the mission? Convincing and converting people to politics or seeing souls saved, bundles of sticks snatched from the fire. Why is there such a great disunity? I believe the mission's become clouded. I want to pray for you right now that God would clarify the mission once again in your heart and in your mind that we get on the same page here. What is our mission? What is our calling? Why are we here to know Christ and to make him known. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice that's experienced the waves of disunity, the waves of fighting and bitterness and division, God, how your church, how your body, how communities have been torn apart over matters that while there may be relevance to it are not matters that are mission-based, they're not the main thing. God, we've allowed the enemy to get in there and bring division. And we've forgotten that those who are for you are not against us. So I begin to look at my brother or my sister and say, I may not agree with how you're practicing that, but we both agree that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we should be able to walk unified lives based off of that. Jesus, that you would become the front and center binding uh, uh, ingredient in my home and in my community and in my school, that we would all be able to hold hands and rally around the cross, not around my ideologies of what I think life should look like, but around what your word says life should look like. So bring your word into clarity. God, bring life into clarity. Bring it into focus that we truly would be one, even as you and the Father are one. The Father in you, you and the Father, and us in you, King Jesus. Bring us in. Holy Spirit, baptize us fresh and new, baptized into the body of Christ. And remember, every war begins, every division, every faction begins first in your own heart. When you abandon the life that Jesus died to save you from, you begin to walk in newness of life. Thanks for spending some time with me. I can't wait to be with you next time. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to continue running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. Until next time, keep pressing on. 